Podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Parker, and this is where the culture meets scripture. Worse than any drug I've seen many great men strung out Lucifer deceived one third of the angels Trying to be God Yet many preachers took the same route Every time you sing a preach Church set ablaze They respond to your gifts and your eyes raised Now you feeling you Now you seeking praise Now build a court following in Jesus name That's how it works Building your own kingdom Calling it church and if someone deserts, call them rebellious when they expose dirt. My God, manipulation's the tool. This is how she end up defending wolves. Like the walk with God isn't granted to you. So out of fear, you just take the abuse. My God, don't wanna be a hypocrite. Don't wanna be a hypocrite. I wanna live what I speak. Wanna live what I speak. They manipulate people. Manipulate people. I make a profit off the sheep. My God, I must decrease, Lord, you increase, every hidden thing, every part of me, placing at your feet, I must decrease, Lord, you increase, every hidden thing, every part of me, placing at your feet. What's going on, guys? So that was my new single, I Decrease, He Increase, which is available on all digital outlets right now. I want to apologize to you guys because last Wednesday, um, I told you guys that the song was available for streaming and downloading, and it wasn't. Um, I had a technical issue with my distributor. Thank God I got it resolved and taken care of. And so now the song is available. So however you listen to music, make sure you support. Go stream or download the song. I decrease, he increase. Listen, I'm super excited. I also dropped a music video for it last Wednesday, um, which I shot while I'm on quarantine um, here in my home. Um, I shot the video on my Google Pixel phone while my boys were taking a nap. So make sure you guys check the video out. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page. I'm gonna be dropping a lot more content on the YouTube page. Um, One of my goals is to drop exclusive content that will be exclusive to the YouTube page as well. But listen, I I just wanna thank you guys for your support and being patient with me. I'm super excited about my album. It's coming along really well in terms of the writing process and the production. So that will be coming very, very soon, God willing. But I pray that everyone is doing well during this time. I know this has been a very, very challenging time for a lot of us. And so today's show, I'm really, really super excited about it because I truly believe if you hear what I have to say today that you are going to be encouraged, uplifted, and comforted 
because these are extremely trying times for some of us. Some of us don't know if we, we're gonna have a job to go back to. Some of us don't know how we're gonna pay our bills or put food on the table. These times for, for, for us are filled with uncertainty. And so as a result, many of us are wrestling with fear. Many of us are wrestling with despair. And so I wanna encourage you guys today, and I don't want to act as if the problem isn't a problem. Faith doesn't ignore reality. Faith exists regardless of reality. And so my goal today is to, to, to confront the reality of what we see with the reality that we don't see and that God is bigger than anything we're facing or will, or will ever face. And so as I, as I just look on social media, look at the news, it's almost like I can't even jump on Facebook now without seeing someone share that they've lost a loved one. And listen, I love seeing the posts of people sharing recovery stories, sharing stories of how they recovered from the virus or how their their father or grandparent recovered from the virus. But it really it really hurts my heart when I as I see people sharing how they lost their father or how they lost their mother, how they lost their uncle or cousin or brother or coworker or childhood friend. And so on one hand, I'm, I'm rejoicing and, and I'm thanking God. But on the other hand, I'm mourning and praying for those who mourn. I'm mourning with those who mourn and praying for those who have lost loved ones. And so I, I just want you guys to know if you have lost someone or have someone who is wrestling right now, uh, fighting for their life because of this virus, you are in my prayers. You are in my prayers. I'm praying and asking that God heal. I'm asking that God comfort you and strengthen you. And listen, out of all of the out of all of that that is going on right now, one of the things that I'm really realizing as a Christian is that our hope isn't in houses. Our hope isn't in cars. Our hope isn't in clothes or or job or businesses or investments. Listen, our hope isn't even in our spouse or our family. Because listen, all of these things will fail, will fail or 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 come to an end. I'm 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 understanding like never before that things are truly temporary and that this life is truly a vapor. And so our hope isn't in any of these things. Our hope 
isn't in this life, but our hope is in Christ. And our hope should be in him. And so I asked the question the other day on social media, has the church been too focused on material gain? Things like money, houses, cars, job promotions, business ventures. Have we as the church been too focused on these things? And if so or not, how has this type of teaching translated in these times? My Facebook friend Gregory Richardson responded and said, yes, we've been too focused on material things. And that's one of the reasons why many of us are ill prepared in times like these. Gregory goes on to say, we might need to realign our definition of better times. Didn't all the disciples who literally followed Jesus end up murdered or in prison? Matter of fact, how did it end on earth for Jesus himself? How does better here look? And I think that is a an awesome question because I think bad teaching has led many of us to interpret when Jesus said, I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Many of us automatically interpret that as, oh, I have the, the best car. I have the car that I want. I have the house that I want. I have the job that I want. I have all of the material things that I want. I have the ideal husband. I have the ideal wife. I have the kids. I, we, we equate it to material gain. But when we look at the scriptures, those who walked with the Lord, did the persecution and and for many of them the martyr the martyrdom that they experienced did that mean that they did not live an abundant life did that did that mean that they lived below privilege absolutely not and listen it's nothing wrong with having nice things it's nothing wrong with having a nice house or nice houses. It's nothing wrong with having nice cars and clothes and money. It's nothing wrong with material things. But what what becomes the problem is when these things become more important to us than God. Or when these things or earthly or material things become the standard on how we determine whether or not we or someone else is blessed. And, and, and listen, there's plenty of people who are wealthy, have money, investments, houses, cars, phenomenal estates who have no honor or reverence for God. And so it becomes a problem when things and material things become the standard for how we determine God's blessings, because that's not what the Bible says success is. That's not what the Bible says wealth is. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. 
Jesus also says, what does it profit a man to gain the world but lose his soul? And so I think the problem lies in, for, for many of us, we have made God to be a genie who exists to meet our wishes and our desires instead of our purpose being to serve him, serve his will. And so I really believe that we 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 need a paradigm shift when it comes to a lot of these things, when it comes to these things, because what happens is when we enter into seasons or encounter seasons of uncertainty and and crisis like what many of us may be experiencing right now in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic where many of us have been stripped of many of our luxuries and many of our everyday things that we would enjoy like going to the movies and going to the mall and being able to shop and you know outside of online shopping but many of the things that we would be able to do have been stripped from us and so now what 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 is our response when we don't have the things what is the depth of our relationship with God when things are being stripped from us and so this is this is really serious. And so, again, I, I, I asked the question, has the church been too focused on material gain? If so or not, how has that type of teaching translated in these times? I want to read one more response. My Facebook friend Misty responded and said, is that even a question? <laughs> Sadly, most preachers have been preaching the prosperity gospel and saying that signs you are prospering is found in the things and money you get rather than growing in the true things of the Lord, like spiritual gifts. Not that I'm against material things or even Christians having financial growth, but I do think it's not the point. Unfortunately, many people have leaned too heavily on what preached rather than searching the scriptures for themselves in order to know how to thrive like the word says we can do in hard times and not merely just be getting by like the world is doing <clears throat> she goes on to say I see it translated in the way I see Christians responding like the world and echoing everything they hear on CNN rather than speaking God's realities into the atmosphere. Aren't we supposed to be a peculiar people because we are called by him? To me, that looks different than what I see a lot of us, especially in times like these. And listen, I agree with that. Like, even in the midst of this crisis, and all of the bad that's happening, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, despite the bad that's happening, I'm, I'm choosing to view this as an opportunity. I'm viewing it, number one, personally as an opportunity to do self-evaluation on myself, 
Like, God, you know, while I have this time in my home, confined to my home, like, God, search me. What are some areas I can improve in? You know, uh, secondly, what I've noticed is in this time of crisis, because people are so afraid and and scared and they don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Now, many people are open to the gospel. Many people I'm noticing people are more open to the gospel than before this this thing hit. And so I think we as Christians have to become more um, heavenly minded and spiritually minded. This is a this is a excellent time for us to rededicate ourselves to prayer, to rededicate ourselves to the word of God, to rededicate ourselves to fasting and, and consecrating ourselves. Because, listen, the world is looking for answers. The world is looking for hope. And so if our hope isn't can't be found in material things, because at the end of the day, I'm, you know, I've been looking in the, into the stock market lately and, and just studying that with with a, a group of friends and just trying to understand and get knowledgeable. And the, the market a couple of weeks ago just crashed and hit and a record low like think people are panicking and and what's what's happening for a lot of people and I want to talk about this um what is the hope what is our hope like if our hope if we can't trust in in government government has failed us jobs have failed us the economy has failed us Family has failed some of us. Friends have like we can look throughout. We can look at our life and see all of the things that we've trusted in is failing us. Even our entertainment, the things that are that we use to cope with life, whether it be entertainment or drugs and alcohol, though, none of these things are suffice. All of these things have proven to fail us. And so what is our hope? Where should our hope lie? And I'm glad you asked the question (laughs) in first Corinthians. Now here you have to catch this. This is an awesome chapter for you to study in your own time and to meditate on. I'm going to give you guys some nuggets, but here's here is our hope as Christians. First and foremost, Jesus let us know that we would experience hardship. Jesus let us know that we would experience tribulations like um, John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. See, many of us have been looking for peace in everything else but Jesus. He says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart or in other words, take courage or confidence. 
I have overcome the world. So what Jesus is saying here, listen, you're going to go through some stuff. You're going to experience pain. You're going to experience hardships, but find peace in me and take confidence in me because I overcame the world that you can overcome. See, our confidence, number one, has to be in the fact that Jesus overcame for us. And I always say this, Jesus didn't just die for us, but he also lived for us. Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 through 16, referring to Jesus as our high priest. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every aspect has been tempted just like us, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, Jesus overcame so we can overcome. And listen, in this, I, I, I'm reminded of the apostles when you start reading through the New Testament and you see how the, the disciples grew in faith and how they went from disciples to maturing in, 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 in their faith and eventually becoming apostles who planted churches and oversaw churches. But what was interesting about the disciples and um, writers and apostles like Paul and Peter, many of who, which were were martyred for the faith, except for John, John, who was actually boiled alive, but survived. But all of the apostles were martyred. And most of them, if not all of them, knew that they were going to give their life for the faith. But still, they pressed forward with a confidence and a joy. And they actually considered the suffering for the sake of the gospel to be a privilege. Because this life was not their reward. Houses wasn't their reward. Cars wasn't their reward. Money wasn't their reward. Nice clothes and jewelry wasn't their reward. Investments wasn't their 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 reward. Their reward was in Christ. Paul said, I count all he Paul said, I count everything but dung. In other words, I count everything as boo-boo <laughs> for the to gain Ex, the excellency and the knowledge of Christ. He says everything compared to Christ is trash. They had an, an, an eternal perspective. And this is, listen, and hear everything I'm saying right now is so important. This is why it's so important for us as believers to be in communion with the Holy Spirit. 
When we see the miracles in the church growing in the book of Acts and seeing the miracles, the signs and wonders and and the apostles suffering and being persecuted for the faith and enduring with a confidence and a peace and a joy in the Lord, despite the things that they were suffering, it was because they were in fellowship and communion with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was leading them and guiding them and comforting them and strengthening them. Jesus said before he ascended back into heaven, he says, I go away, but I will not leave you comfortless for I will send a comforter, the spirit of truth, and he will lead and guide you into all truth. And he will be with you and he will testify of me. See, we need the Holy Spirit. We need fellowship with the Holy Spirit because he is who reveals Jesus to us. He is who affirms the hope of the things that we cannot see. He is the one that gives us confidence in saying we walk by faith, not by sight. He is the one that 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 lets us know that though what we see is real, the trials and the challenges in front of us, though they be real. The God that you can't see is just as real and more powerful, and he will equip you to overcome in the day of evil. And so we have this confidence in him. We have this treasure hidden in earthen vessels. Man, we we have to tap into the Holy Spirit. We have to stop having these silly debates over the Holy Spirit, too. Or do you speak in tongues? Are you, you are you not really saved if you don't speak into all of that stuff is foolishness. The Bible in in Galatians lays it out clearly for us. It lets us know what the works of the flesh is and it lets us know what the fruit of the spirit is, because some of us, some of you will speak in tongues or, or what you call tongues, but will turn around and have the most nasty attitude ever. <laughs> Cuss somebody out in a in a in a hot second claiming to have the Holy Spirit, but you don't have any fruit. And so we have to get back to the Bible. But we have this hope in him. And so when I begin to look for what what is what is the hope? What is what is the hope of the believer? What is your hope? Even if you don't consider yourself a Christian and you're listening. Where should our hope where if we can't trust in none of these things, where should our hope be? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to start at verse 14 and we're going to read through verse 26. But listen, I would encourage you guys to read this entire chapter in your own time and meditate on it. Soak it up (laughs) because this is this is where the Christian's hope lies and where it comes from. Verse 14 starts off by saying, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise. If it is true that the dead are not raised. Verse 16, for if the dead are not raised 
not even Christ has been raised. Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. In other words, your faith is in vain and you are still in your sins. Catch this, guys. If Christ didn't raise, rise from the raise wasn't raised from the dead. If he did not rise from the dead, this whole show, show is pointless. My whole faith is pointless. It's pointless for you to consider yourself a Christian. It's pointless for you to be even listening to this show if Christ did not raise from the, rise from the grave. We are still sinners if Christ did not rise. Verse 18, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, what, what Paul is saying right here, if we trusted in Christ for this life and the life to come, and Christ didn't raise from the grave. And that would mean our hope is only in this life. Our comfort will only be in this life. But if he did not rise from the grave, he isn't who he said he is. Which means we're still dead in our sins. We're on our way to hell. His death, his death doesn't mean it. Like, listen, this is so important. If Christ didn't fulfill or rise from the grave that would make him a liar. And so Paul is painting a picture picture and saying, if Christ, if, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Verse 21. For as by a man came death, referring to Adam. Remember, I talked about this. Death came because of Adam's sin. He says, for as by a man, referring to Adam, came death. By a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. So in other words, we're all going to die one day. But not all of us are going to stay dead. Us who are in Christ will be risen as he rose. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to that. He says, for as by a man came death, by another man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Verse 24, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. This is when the Bible talks about every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Every president, every king, every ruler, every mogul, every, every 
every power player, big and small, rich and poor, everyone will bow their knee and confess with their tongue that he is Lord to the glory of God. He says, then comes the end when the when when he delivers the kingdom to to God, the father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. Verse twenty five. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And here's the here's the last part. Verse 26. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Listen. We're seeing so many people die right now. We see people die every day and it hurts. But this is what makes the gospel, the good news is because we recognize that this life is temporary. We recognize that this life is but a vapor. And so we can't get so distracted or we can't get too distracted on houses. We can't get too distracted on clothes and cars and money and investments and job promotions and businesses. We can't get so distracted by these things that we lose sight of the fact that these things are going to pass away and that eternity is our goal. Our our goal is is to spend eternity with Christ because Revelations chapter 21 verse 4 lets us know he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away listen there is coming a day when there will be no more pain there will be no more sorrow there will be no more death there will be no more hurt. There will only be joy and peace in his presence. And this is the promise for those who put their trust in him. There is coming a day where we will not have to worry or doubt. We won't have to deal with the things that we deal with today. There is coming a day. And listen, we can have this confidence now. This is why Colossians chapter three, verse one through two says, if then ye have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, the father. Verse two, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Listen, the Bible says in Proverbs, from the heart flows the issues of life. And, and because the issues of life flows from our heart, we have to make sure that we give our heart to God. Because it's easy to get wrapped up in our emotions and in our feelings. This is why the Bible in, in Proverbs 3 Verse five through six, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. 
Don't lean to your own understanding. In other words, don't lean to your your emotions and how it may feel. He says, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. And so listen. There is a we have to understand what it truly means to be blessed. Some of us have bought bought into the lie that, hey, I'm not blessed unless I live in a certain neighborhood. I'm not blessed unless I have certain clothes or a certain car. I'm not blessed unless I I went to a certain school or work at a certain job or. Or am a or am of a certain financial status. Some of us has bought that lie. And unfortunately, this lie for some of us has been strengthened. Or reaffirmed by bad teaching. From churches, certain churches and televangelists or TV preachers or whatever the case may be. Listen. If you are in Christ, if you have placed your trust in Christ, you are blessed. You are blessed. Whether you live in the hood or live in the burbs in a palace, you are blessed. Listen, this is why, and I have to say this, and I'm wrapping it up right now, but this is why Paul writes in Philippians chapter four as he's in a prison cell. Now get this. This is the context. Paul is in a prison cell and he writes starting at Philippians chapter four, and this will be the last text of scriptures for this show. But in Philippians chapter four, verse four through 13, Paul is writing from a prison cell. He's about to lose his life for the sake of the gospel. But he's writing in the prison cell and he starts off in verse four and says, rejoice in the Lord always. Hold up. He's a he's in prison, but he's telling us to rejoice. And just in case we didn't get it the first time, he says, again, I will say. Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Hallelujah. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. See, the Lord will give you a peace that doesn't even make sense. The the Lord will give you peace in the midst of a storm. When everybody else is panicking, the Lord will give you a peace that doesn't even make sense because the peace isn't based off of exterior circumstances, but the peace is based off of who lives on the inside. He says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure. I'm getting excited. Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What ye have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace. How many need peace? And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need. He's saying, I'm not saying I'm not speaking out of need, even though I'm in prison. I'm not speaking out of need. He says, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to be brought high or abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. He says, here's the secret. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He doesn't say I can do all things because of my my status. He doesn't say I can do all things because I have a huge following. He doesn't say I could do all things because I have a because of the house I have or the car. He says I've learned how to have more than enough and not enough. But in all of these circumstances, whether good or bad, he's, he says I've learned the secret and that is Christ is always my source. For many of us, we need to make Christ our source. Listen, if you if you're listening today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now is a good time to turn to him and put your trust in him, not just because we're in the middle of a pandemic and the coronavirus is going on. Listen, we needed Christ before this stuff happened. <laughs> There's not a day where we don't need him. He is the savior of the world. Look, now is a time to say, Lord, forgive me for every sin. Forgive me for all unrighteousness. God, I repent of my sins and I want to trust you as my Lord and savior. Now is a good time. The Bible says when when the Lord in the Bible, God says, when you hear my voice, the day that you hear my voice, harden not your heart. And some of you are hearing God's voice. You feel that tug on your heart. He says, don't harden your heart. But repent and trust in me. There's no better time than now. And listen, for, for, for many of us who, who name the name of Christ, now is a good time for us to, to, to change our, our mindset. Now is the time to really say, God, I trust you. God, not my will, but your will be done. God, I, I, I want to delight myself in you. God, I want to put your ways above my ways. God, I know my desires. I know what I want. 
But Lord, what do you want? Now is a good time. And listen, we have this hope because he is risen. (laughs) He is alive. And we can come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace and favor in the time of need. Listen, be encouraged, y'all. I love you guys. I'm going to just say a quick word of prayer and we'll be done. Lord God, I just pray that you would touch everyone under the sound of my voice, Lord, that you would draw men to yourself, that we find our help and our source in you. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray for freedom. I pray for deliverance from sin, deliverance from demons, deliverance in our minds, deliverance in our hearts. Oh, God, free us as only you can. For in your word, you said whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So, God, we put our trust in you, God. We yield ourselves to your will and to your way. God, I pray right now, God, that you would comfort those who have lost people during this pandemic. God, that you would comfort their hearts and let them know that you are with them. Oh, God, as only you can. And Lord, we love you. We give you the praise and the glory and all the honor in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the Path of Revelation podcast. Listen, you can go to pathofrevelationnow.com. Leave your prayer requests. Um, any future, any suggestions for future shows. And listen, if you want to sow and donate to Path of Revelation, my cash app is Gabriel T. Parker, or you can PayPal um, at Path of Revelation now at gmail.com. It's the PayPal. Listen, thank you guys for tuning in. And this is where the culture meets scripture.